Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Come on, Freedom House Church, make some noise this morning if you're excited to be here. Well, hey, my name is Colby Maxwell. I am the director of student ministries here at Freedom House. And if you cannot tell, this is Student Takeover Weekend 2019, somebody. If you don't know what that means, essentially, we have brought the biggest party on a Sunday night, which is our vertical services, here and taken over our Sunday morning services. So... We have students up here who are singing. We have them playing instruments. We have people, uh, even students who are actually running camera right now. Give me a little shake if you're running camera if you're a student right now. Just shake the camera really. Boom. Look at that. Boom. Right there. They're back in the tech suite right now. They're hiding away, turning the lights on. They're on the roofs running around right now. They're in the streets. I mean, they are everywhere. Students have taken over every aspect of our, stu- uh, of our services here uh, at Freedom House today, and it's so exciting to, to really be a part of it and to see um, what it looks like for students to not take just what they're doing on a Sunday night, but really incorporate that into a Sunday morning service here at Freedom House, and it's so cool. So uh, we have a really, really a lot of really cool things that are happening uh, here this Sunday morning besides student takeover. Um, Vertical itself is the biggest party on a Sunday, and because we've brought it here, um, did you guys like that new single that we just sang, the third song? Not the Lean On Me one. We didn't write that one. <laughs> the other one, the Fix My Eyes, um, we've decided that we are going to theme our entire uh, student takeover tour. We started at Lake Norman, then South End, and we are finishing up here today with Central Campus with all of our awesome merch, Fix My Eyes, everything. And that actually is going to be releasing on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that stuff in a couple of weeks here. So make sure you keep an eye out. Pretty incredible. Pretty crazy. Isn't it cool to see what your church is doing, right? Not even just here on a Sunday morning, but even on a Sunday night with all the crazy stuff that's happening. And um, So today what's going to be happening is I'm going to be sharing for uh, 10 to 15 minutes here for just a little while. And then we're going to have some students come up and really hear some of their incredible stories and what it's been like for them to fix their eyes. Uh, and I'm really excited for it because I know uh, that what they have to say is powerful. Um, I, I've heard it a couple times you know, over the past couple of weeks. And, and actually, I, I find new interest in it every single time I listen to it because... I love hearing genuine, authentic stories of students that are coming up and saying, hey, my life was changed. Proclaim it this way. Oh, you guys can hear me? My life was changed in this way. Let me proclaim it this way. And it's super cool to be able to be a part of that. So I want to share a little bit today on this topic of fix my eyes. And so how I want to start that today is with a small exercise. If I could have everyone close their eyes for me really quickly. I'm not going to pray. Don't worry. I'm not going to come pop you on the head. Just sit there for a second. Now, what I want you to do here in a second is if this statement applies to you, I want you to raise your hand when I say go, okay? And no one's looking around right now, but if you in the past 30 to 60 days have struggled with loneliness, feeling alone, not just being by yourself, but feeling alone in the past 30 to 60 days, if you can raise your hand right now, the past 30 to 60 days, thank you. You put your hands down. Now everyone look at me. About 33% of the room just raised their hand, which means odds are someone sitting on your left or right just raised their hand. 
Odds are that we all walked into this church building today and pretty much every church around the country will find the word community built into its vision and value statements. But your neighbors have admitted to feeling lonely in the past 30 to 60 days. I ran this test in, in, uh, in our vertical services a couple weeks ago as well as at a student summer camp that I was preaching at. And can I tell you that in both uh, circles, in our student camp and as also in our youth group here on a Sunday night, the numbers weren't 33%. They were closer to 97%. Almost every single hand went up in the room for, for struggling and dealing with loneliness in the past 30 to 60 days. The Pew Research Center says this, 40% of 16 to 24-year-olds feel, feel lonely often or very often. And from what I've seen, it's probably even higher than that. I find that so interesting. And here's what I believe. I believe that generations are defined by the questions they have to answer growing up. I believe that each previous generation, whether you're a boomer or, or an Xer, whatever it is, your identity as a generation and ultimately as an individual has been shaped because of the questions you've had to grow up answering. And I believe that my generation and the generation coming up in our youth group right now is still in the midst of forming their identity based upon the questions. And the questions that are being asked right now have never been asked before. What do we do in a world of silicon interaction? How do we have heart-to-heart -heart communication? These things have never had to been asked before. In a world where I can have anything, any information, any person, any idea at the touch of a button, how do I form genuine relationships? And I'm not slamming technology right now, but I believe that our identity is currently in formation and these questions have to have an answer. And what is our answer, not just as a church body, but as a church globally, what is our answer going to be? What is our identity going to be where everything seems to be bombarding us from all sides with information, with, with anything we could ever imagine? It all seems to suddenly be around us at a moment's notice. And so that's why we wrote the song, Fix My Eyes. We wanted to capture the, the, the process, the issues, the questions that a generation was struggling with. And we, we wrote it with the intention of purely uh, being it for our local youth group. Um, I believe it happens to apply to more than just our local youth group, though. We, we wrote it, we sat down, and we thought, what do we want to write a song about right now? And so we, we, we wanted to write it around the ideas of fix my eyes. What is my anchor when I feel like the world is bombarding me, when I feel alone, when I feel overwhelmed? What do I turn to and where do I look? Where do I fix my eyes? And so that's what I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes here today in this incredible Sunday morning service of what it looks like for us to fix my eyes. And I believe the answer may be a little bit surprising. Did you know that our brains are designed for communication with each other? Our brain, 76% of the outside layer, there's three layers to the brain. There's the inner layer, outer layer, or inner, middle, and then outer. The outermost layer is called our neocortex. It takes up about 76% of our calories and our capacity of our brain. It's the largest portion of our brain. 50% of that or above is purely devoted and dedicated to human interaction. Let me say it another way. People are made for people. 
Our brain is designed, formed, shaped. We are born and our brains spend the rest of our formative years ultimately deciding how do I interact, how do I talk, how can I best relate to the people around me. That is what our bodies are made and designed for. It's what we were made as human beings for. It's what we were supposed to do and, and are supposed to do currently. People are built for people. Yet so many of us come on a Sunday morning and one of our neighbors to the left or to the right or even ourselves is struggling with the idea of loneliness, anxiety, or depression. And that number has skyrocketed with the release of various technologies that create distance with false intimacy. 97 to 98% right now. People are built for people. And I, but the thing is, is, is here's what's, what I believe is really cool. I believe that there is an answer that we have, have in, within our reach. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 says this. I think it's really cool and interesting, actually. It says this. It's better to have a partner than to go at it alone. Anybody agree with that? Like, it's so much easier when you have someone else to help, help you vacuum your house, right? That's what you have kids for is what I was told. My parents told me. You know why you're here, right? Do the dishes. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help everyone together, tough. tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Unless you're a vertical student. doesn't count for you right now. <laughs> Ignore that one. Alone, you shiver all night. That's the way it's going to stay. All the parents said? Amen. Amen. I'm on your side. Don't worry. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? Anybody have that third friend? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you and your one friend, you can just hang out all day, watch Netflix, you're chilling, have brunch. Your third friend comes around, things change. <laughs> it's wild. It's 2 a.m., you're running in the streets, shirt's off. Just me? Okay. <laughs> Who is that third friend? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. A three-stranded rope is not easily snapped. I have one word I want to share with you guys today. This is what I am centering this entire talk today around. The idea of community. 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 Most churches in America right now, if you walk in, they probably have this word on a wall somewhere. That's probably my guess. And I believe that, that there is something powerful when we learn how to do community correctly. I believe something incredible happens. What I find so interesting about this passage of scripture is it was written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon happens to be our drummer, but he's unrelated, right? He's incredible, but unrelated. Solomon um, is believed to either be the number one or number two richest person to ever live. He kind of struggles for a competition with Mansa Musa, depending on how you calculate numbers. Regardless, he made Jeff Bezos look petty from Amazon, y'all. Like, dude had money. Rollies up to his elbows. Like, dude was rolling in cash. It was said that during his period of reign that he would, people would walk around the streets and they'd pick up silver off the ground and they'd just kind of drop it because it wasn't worth anything in his day. Would you like to have that happen to you? You're walking around, you're like, man, look at this fat 
bar of silver. I don't really need that, right? I mean, like, that's crazy. Anything he could ever ask for was immediately given to him. He had the most chariots, the most palaces, the largest palace. His bathtub was gold. I mean, he had money that you can't even imagine. Multi-trillionaire. Crazy stuff. And here's the crazier part to me. My man had 750 wives. Wild. That's like going into authentic conference, looking around and saying, yep, they're all my wife. <laughs> Do you know how much money we spent on Chick-fil-A, y'all? <laughs> Three times a day, every day, which explains the first statement. He was the richest man to ever live. He had to be. <laughs> I mean, dude was crazy wealthy. He was also one of the wisest men to ever live. He wrote a book called Proverbs. He was smart. He used to study ants and like figure out like with a magnifying glass. Like he was incredibly smart, had the most money you could ever ask for, was what you would think to be, had unlimited availability with intimacy. Like he had people, he had money, he had wisdom, he had wealth. He had everything you could possibly ever want in a human lifetime. And as an old man, he writes this book, Ecclesiastes, and he reflects back on his past. A life of luxury, a life of wealth, a life of fame and fortune and, and, and notoriety. Everything he ever needed was at the touch of his fingertips. Sound familiar? And he looks back on his life and says, man, it's not worth it if you don't have people to do it with. It's not worth it if you don't have your, 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 your crew. It's not worth it if you don't have community. It's not worth it. I love how he says it earlier in, in the verses. He says, all of this stuff without someone to share it with and without a God to look to is like a, 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 a vapor of smoke. It's gone in a second. A, a puff in the wind. One minute it's there, one minute it's gone. And I wonder how many of us and how many people, including myself, have fallen into the trap of thinking that the answer lies in the material. I believe that one of the questions that we are asking as a generation is, where does our love and where does our purpose come from? And I believe the counterfeit answer we've been provided with has been fame and wealth. Love and purpose have been substituted for fame and wealth. Where fame is ultimately false love and, and wealth is fake purpose. And so we desire, we, we desire love and purpose in our life and we turn to, to people seeing the blue check mark on our Instagram. And we view that as love. Or we view, man, if I can just make it big one day, man, I got to get on that grind, I got to get that money. Maybe then I'll have purpose. What's your purpose in life? Man, I got to make money. The counterfeit answers that have been supplied to us are maybe giving us the hurting hearts that we so desperately cry out for in this moment. I find it interesting. I find it interesting. The wisest and richest man to ever live is looking at his life and wondering if it was all worth it in the end if he didn't have someone to share it with. Um, my story is an interesting one. I am... 22 years old as of like two weeks ago now. Pretty crazy, right? I have grown up in church. Like, I might as well have been popped out right there. Like, <laughs> like I, most of my life has been spent here at the church, right? From the time I was a four-year-old, even before that, my parents were youth pastors, and I was in church all the 
time. From the time I was little to the time now, most of my waking hours have probably been spent in the church. I've spent nights here, like literally. Um, like I, I spend so much time here as a kid to where I am now, and, and I've loved it. I, I've lived an incredible life, and, and I love what I get to do and what I've done in my past. Something interesting is that I went to youth group when I was in seventh grade, and I graduated in 12th grade like many of our students here. And um, in my experience there from seventh grade to 12th grade, I've been through five youth pastors. Five youth pastors from the time of 7th grade to 12th grade. People came into my life, invested into me, and then were gone soon after. That's one, what, roughly every two or three years, something like that. I did the math. It's just a rough estimate. I'm not certain on this, but I guess. My guess is that I've seen between twenty to 45,000 people come into the doors of the church and then out at some point in my life. I've seen a lot of people come in and then leave soon after or come in for a period and then be gone soon after. A long time. My life, the church has been started for, I think, 16 or 17 years now this September. I think this September actually is 18 now. That's a lot of people over a long period of time coming into your life and out of your life, especially as a little kid. My family, <laughs> this crazy thing happened a, a couple years ago. Some of you may remember, but my family was on the news. My face was on the news like there were actual news trucks outside of the church filming our family as we walked to our car. My friend from L.A. called me and was like, hey, bro, your family's on the news right now. What's happening in Charlotte as a 15-year-old? I've been in magazines for not good reasons with my whole family for some crazy thing that happened. Like, I made it to Google, y'all. <laughs> Pretty crazy as a 15-year-old. I've... Been here for my entire life, but I, I've still struggled with, with addiction. I've still struggled with anxiety. I, I, I still struggle with a lot of the things that humans still have to struggle with growing up in the church. And all through that, people have been in and out of my life the entire way through it. And I'm not telling you this for your pity. I'm actually the opposite of that. I, I, I feel like I can say this from a place of confidence. I, I'm not telling you for pity. And I, I want to make a statement that may seem surprising to you. Man, I feel a sneeze coming hard right now. <laughs> My eyes are watered and everything. <laughs> there is a statement that I want to make that may be surprising to you that every time I've said it, it's caused maybe a small gasp in the audience. My, my statement to you has been that through all of this stuff that I've experienced in my life, through all the craziness, through all the difficulties, through all the trials, can I say to you today that Jesus is not all you need? Everyone's reaction has been pretty much the same. <laughs> Except last week at South and this guy in the corner was just shaking his head. <laughs> Let's make it practical. How about this? I'll prove it to you practically first. Let's go, as a group trial project, the next four or five days without drinking any water, right? Let's do that, right? If you do that, you might see Jesus at the end of it, right? <laughs> Is that Jesus? No. no. That's a bird. <laughs> right? Practically, of course, we understand that. We even sing a song about it today. Like, I helped write the song. We sang... You're all I need. We're like, woo, all I need, Jesus. Woo, yeah, that's a good song. 
vertical youth worship, right? Can I tell you that it wasn't just Jesus that got me through all of these things that I've experienced in my life. It was the people around me as well. Maybe you still don't believe me. Let me say it another way. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, Adam, perfect human in a perfect environment in perfect relationship with God before man had ever fallen. He was in the, the most perfect environment, the most perfect relationship. He, you cannot get better than where he was. I mean, he was, from what we read, handcrafted. Like, he was in his prime living the, the best he could ever live. He was living perfectly within God's plan. But Genesis chapter 2, God looks at Adam and says, It is not good that man's alone. It's not good that man's alone. People are made for people. People are made for people. And it was Jesus and community that brought me through these crazy things I've experienced in my life. And I believe the same is true for you. I believe a Jesus-centered community is the cure for a sick world. I believe a Jesus-centered community is the cure for a sick world. It's not just Jesus, and it's not just people. You need to have both. And a Jesus-centered community is the cure for a hurting youth. It's not just some concept for the world. It's a relationship for you. Jesus without people is stale church. <laughs> and people without Jesus, community without Jesus is called a bar. <laughs> Seriously. And stale churches don't change lives. And bars can only get you so far. And that's what Vertical was to me. It was that Jesus-centered community. Vertical was the combining of the two, the surrounding of people on my, my left and my right, before me and behind me, being surrounded by people while also engaging in relationship with Jesus. And through this, I, I had the encounters that I hold so true in my life. I believe that a Jesus-centered community really is the cure for a hurting us and for a sick world. Because we all need somebody to lean on, don't we? I believe that's true for all of us. You ever, uh, you ever mess up and someone immediately is there beside you? And something incredible happens when that happens, doesn't it? Like, man, you ever been forgiven immediately? By a friend you've, you've told something to. It's one thing, I think, to have forgiveness from your creator. But when you have forgiveness from your peers as well, man, something incredible happens. Let someone drag you to the finish line for once, even though if you don't want to go there, right? Like, like, come on, we're going to church. I don't want to go. Come on, we're going, right? Let someone drag you to the finish line that you've forgotten in your isolation. Let someone stand before you and behind you, protecting you in the worst tragedies of your life. Man, we need community. We need the people on our left and right. Don't just interact with church. Engage with the community. Interaction only gets you so far. 
engage with the people around us. We have life groups. We have so many incredible things that we have designed into this structure not to have more order, but to make it easier for people to connect. Man, we really do need someone to lean on sometimes. And we need to recognize that it's a Jesus-centered community that can do the incredible wonders and change people's hearts. Jesus had his 12. And it was the combining of the two that revolutionized the world. And so today, as we are about to transition into hearing some of our students' stories and how their interaction with community has changed their lives, let's just pray first. Because I believe that maybe some people in here are, are ready to step into what it looks like to live in this incredible community. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, I thank you for this moment right now that you have allowed us to step into this place. You've allowed us to come forward and say, man, God, I know that I've maybe been interacting with the church, but I'm ready to engage with you. God, I pray for courage in each person's heart who is ready to step out and live differently than they have before, God. God, I, I, I pray that you allow them to recognize that it's okay to lean on someone else sometimes and that they can step forward in a different capacity knowing that they have people beside them who are with them no matter what. God, I, I pray that this world, that we catch the revelation of you in community, God. That when we are the community that is inspired by you, crazy, incredible, and beautiful things happen. God, I thank you for that peace and that strength right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on. That's so awesome. Well, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have our student speakers come up right now. And um, can I have my host, Miss Madison Buzzio? Come on. Hey, this is my fiance, y'all. What's up? <laughs> Um, we're going to go ahead and continue on with our students kind of sharing their stories. So can we give our students a huge round of applause right now? Come on up here, guys. They're so awesome. Go ahead and have a seat. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to be asking them a couple of questions, and uh, we'll, we'll be finishing up here relatively shortly um, because I went way over on my time, y'all. Um, I'm definitely a born preacher, and uh, we're going to be asking them a couple of questions, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So you guys ready? Cool. Well, if you guys don't know, why don't you introduce yourselves real quick? Well, I'm Madison. You introduced me already. Sorry. <laughs> Y'all can go ahead. Uh, my name is Alex Tallman or David Tallman or people at work like to call me David Alex because I don't care what you guys call me. Nice. <laughs> so also, tell us who you are and tell us how you got to Vertical. Um, I've been going to Freedom House for about 12, 13 years now. So I just worked my way through the kids team. And, and you're 15 or 16? 16. 16. Yeah, so you were three. Crazy. Um, my name my name's Mariah. I'm 16, and I've been going to Freedom House for yeah, about like three years maybe. Well, vertical for three years. I don't know about Freedom House in general, but yeah. So awesome. Um, my name is Rihanna. I'm 17, and I actually got invited to vertical about three and a half years ago by a friend, and yeah. That's so cool. So um, what do you guys specifically do at Vertical? Like, What are some of the things that you maybe have stepped into right now? I know that maybe you, maybe you guys solved into up on platform Ooh, and all that sort of stuff. But tell us what you do here at Vertical or even on Sunday morning. I'm a production team lead. I lead their camera team here. That's awesome. So you know those guys up there, huh? <laughs> um, I, I do production for main service here. And then Vertical, I do, I play keys for the worship team. 
I am one of the student worship leaders um, for Vertical. So, yeah. That's so cool. And she led in main service today and will and has led, what, three months ago? I think we, we figured yeah. it out. Three months ago, she has come and kind of like started at Vertical, and now she led worship here in our main services like three months ago on a Sunday morning, which is pretty incredible. Like, I think it's cool. You don't hear 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds say very often, yeah, I'm the production team lead for the cameras here at our main central campus. It's like, whoa. It sounds like an like a official title, right? Like, it's just cool to see um, the fruit of what happens when you get planted in the incredible community that is Freedom House as well as Vertical. So that's so awesome. Yeah. So we're going to ask you the next question. Um, and, you know, we all, we all have something that we struggle with. Obviously, 33% of everyone struggles with loneliness. There are so many different things, you know, what we've experienced has brought things into our life that maybe we didn't expect and maybe we don't know how to handle. But for these students, and I know for myself as well, you start, say, you're point A. There's something that happens from point A to point B that changes your life. And so we want to know from you guys, what was it that was in the middle between point A and point B that changed your life. So when you walked into Vertical you to where you're sitting vertical. today, yep. what was kind of that, that process? What did that look like for you? Um, when I first came to Vertical, um, I thought people were kind of crazy doing the praise pit. Yep. I was just Tell me what the praise pit is. Uh, it's about what you saw me doing and Cole. I just jumping around. But imagine <laughs> like 80 or 90 more kids doing that, yeah. just going left and right. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. You will get trampled if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was in the back corner for the first couple months. I didn't really care. But then we uh, went on my first trip. It was Sycon, right? Yeah, Sycon. And, yeah, we went there. And Cole, I was suffering from loneliness and depression. And Colby uh, prayed for me. And ever since then, I've been in the middle, worshiping, leading, telling everybody, come on, put your hands up, praying for people. And, yeah, it changed my life. Yeah, that's so cool. And fun fact about Alex, uh, he could grow a full beard by the time he was 13, and he intimidated me as a full-grown adult leader, and I'm not exaggerating right now. So. This beard is only like, what, eight months? Careful. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> um, so when I first started coming to Vertical, I was just starting freshman year. I'm a senior now. So I was, I still kind of am, but I've gotten better, but I was really shy and fearful, and I wouldn't talk to anyone. Like, I'd lock myself in the bathroom and cry. I'm so At Vertical, you would hide in the bathroom and cry. And cry. <laughs> that was not okay. And, <laughs> and um, but I met people, and I got involved, and then um, we went to Forward. Uh, last year was our first time going to Forward. And it's like this huge conference with like thousands and thousands of like, like young 13,000 people. people. Just it's crazy. Praising and getting their Jesus on. It's so, it's so crazy. It's so good. And we went there and um, I just remember like there and at um, Vertical, God was like, I didn't create you to be scared. That's not your purpose. It's I created you to worship and praise me unapologetically. And so I was like, you know, you're right, so I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And so <laughs> I've been working, um, just coming to Vertical has been helping me get over my fear, and 
helped me take big steps, like joining the worship team and joining production. And so now I just I love to praise. That's incredible. So you so you went from hiding in the bathroom, you know, crying <laughs> in there, to playing keys on the platform, running production, all that stuff. That's that's incredible. That's so cool. That's pretty crazy. So uh, before coming to Vertical, I was entering into high school, and it's a high school is a different atmosphere of people, and you start to realize how other people act or what they have or what you don't have, and it's just you kind of get lost with yourself. So I was lost entering uh, ninth grade. Um, I was low. I was in a low point from ninth grade to sophomore year. Uh, struggling with depression, anxiety. I still struggle with it a little bit, but I've gotten a lot better with it. Um, and after I got inv invited to Vertical, um, I started making closer friends that are some of my close friends now. And um, then like eight, nine months ago, I joined worship team. And so I've found community, I've found peace, and I found my calling through Vertical. Wow. So. That's so yeah, incredible. I would just like to say and add on to that. She is actually pursuing worship um, in, as a career. Like, she's going to college, and that is what she's pursuing. And she found wow. that purpose in, like while she was in vertical, which is so cool. That's incredible. So I know that you guys kind of mentioned it. Maybe just touch on it again. Uh, walking into vertical or walk, whatever maybe season you walked into, maybe give us – some of the things that you were struggling with or what that season looked like walking into vertical and then maybe like the big thing for you that like, I know you mentioned it like, but what was, what was that moment? What was that shift moment for you? Uh, Psycon. Um, you prayed for me. I had like 10 people pray for me that weekend. Yeah. But when you, when you walked into Psycon or vertical, when you were what, 13, 12, 13, what, what was it for you that you were maybe working through the most? Loneliness. Loneliness, yeah. I had my parents, my family with me, but I had like nobody like close. Went to a charter school. It was terrible. It wasn't good at all. And then now I go to Cox Mill. Still terrible, but you know. It's <laughs> better it than the charter school. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What about you, Mariah? Um it was probably Probably forward of last year, just going into that, I was really scared, really of everything, but more of like being criticized and judged. And then just going to forward and just realizing, like really paying attention at vertical, people around me, the kids my age that weren't scared made me realize that I have no reason to be scared. Wow. So just to maybe even tease that out. You, you walked in with maybe the insecurity of what people thought about you, is what I'm hearing you say, right? And what the shift was for you was walking into an environment where everyone else who was your age was going after God. It was, it was that kind of maybe surrounding of people who were of the like mind of, of moving forward who that was the shift for you, was being surrounded by that. That's incredible. Well, my shift was also through Psycon. Um, it was like my parents were just separating um, and I was also going through with depression and stuff like that. But um, I got prayed for also over at PsyCon, and things just started getting better. Um, but, yeah, 
through PsyCon, after going to PsyCon, um, started actually worshiping, because I never really did that before. I would just stand there and look at other people, what they were doing. Um, but through that, I've just from that point on, that's when my relationship with God started growing. So, yeah. That's so incredible. Yeah. So this is the last question, and out of them all, it's my favorite. Um, whether we like to admit it or not, there are things in our life that we put, we make it a priority above God. Yeah. <laughs> right? We don't like to admit it. It's so easy to accidentally put something before God, whether it's relationships, your money, your job, whatever it is. It's so easy to do that, especially when they're tangible. And so we want to know from y'all, what is it like for you to fix your eyes on God? What does it mean for you to fix your eyes? Yeah, go yeah. for it, man. All right. Um, fixing my eyes on God was about me taking my mask off and pursuing Jesus. Going in the freshman year. Explain what that means. What does it mean to take your mask off? Like, outside of church, I was some douchebag, you know. Just walking out church, I didn't care. Welcome live streamers. <laughs> Pretty nice church. And then come, coming to church with Jesus, yay. And then after going into freshman year, I didn't really care if people called me Jesus boy or something. I just know that I have Jesus on my side, so I didn't care if people made fun of me. That's awesome. Come on. Um, for me to fix my eyes, it's to um, not focus on the outside chatter of the world, but really just fix your eyes on God. Like, don't worry about what people are saying, how they're looking at you, how they're judging you. I just look at God. That's it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, for me, fixing my eyes was more of a mentality change. Um, especially when you have to observe how other people around you act, and then you have to change your mentality of God's way of living. And um, I think just learning to see myself how God sees me, so I'm learning how to do that also. Wow, that's so incredible. Can we give them a huge hand real quick? Let's all stand to our feet. You know, I think it's really cool in what, even what Alex, um, kind of his life that he's lived being here at the church for 13 years. I think something really incredible happens when you kind of submerge yourself in the daily goings on of what happens here. You know, if, and I said it this way, like if Freedom House was a tree, Alex would be like a really good example of the fruit of that tree. Right, he's like, you can't get more involved, like, as a kid, you know, your mom's dragging you to church and then serving in church. I remember he used, he used to serve with me in kids' class, and he had, like, the FH kids' shirts, and they would went down to his knees, you know. It was awesome. Um, and, and, and really, with that, like, knowing what it means to have Jesus have those incredible encounters, but the follow-up behind that encounter with community. You know, it's one thing to, to inside of yourself say you're going to the gym. It's another thing to post it, right? <laughs> it's someone to hold you accountable to it. And in the same way, it kind of works with how we live our life. It's one thing to make an internal decision and to say, man, I'm living my life for God. I'm, I'm devoting my life that way. But when you tell someone else that, 
It changes things. And I, earlier I prayed for community, but maybe there's people in here today that they're ready to step into that community, but they have never accepted Jesus before. Can I tell you that you don't have to do that right now? Welcome home, first of all. You're like, you've found your place. Welcome to community. Welcome to an awesome place to be on a Sunday morning and even throughout the week with our life groups and through hangouts and through friendships and through people you can lean on and rely on. Thank you for coming today. Maybe you have been engaging with this community for a while now, but you really haven't made that next step into what it looks like to live your life for God. I can encourage you that every one of our students would admit to this as well as all of our people who were up here playing or people in the production booth and the suite back there on the cameras. They know that stepping into that has radically changed their life. Stepping into to this relationship with God, that was the shift for them. It happened at a camp. It happened at um, people praying over them, and it can happen on a Sunday morning just like this. You don't need 13,000 people in a room to meet the person that can change your life in a second. And so maybe today you're ready to step into that. You're like, man, I, these students have inspired me. Maybe I'm convicted a little bit, you know. Maybe you haven't started serving yet, and Alex's title scares you. <laughs> Or maybe you're ready to take that next step and to change your life and to live your life differently and engage in a relationship with your creator. With every head bowed and every eye closed here today, not to make this an emotional affair ultimately, but to say, man, hey, ready? maybe you're ready for that. Maybe you want to step into that. Maybe you, maybe you want to, to live your life differently. Maybe you're ready to change the way in which you interact with your community. If you're in that first category and you say, man, I, I just, all I want right now is community. Maybe I'm a Christian. Maybe I'm not a Christian. I just need some people around me. In fact, can you just raise your hand really quick? There's no one looking around right now. There's some people across this room right now. Thank you. Whether you're in that second category and you say, man, I've never actually changed my life and accepted God into my heart and, and, and changed the way in which I live. You're ready to do that. You're ready to say, man, I'm ready to, to let the old things behind me go. I'm ready to let the mistakes of my past, the sin of my past, the shame of my past, and step into a future free of those things, into a future free of the things that have held me back, a future free of chains in my mind, a future free of anxiety and depression, a future free of the things that have currently held us in our current positions, but stepping forward into that relationship, knowing we have relationships on our left and right as well. If you're ready to do that, if you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you can raise your hand right now too. Thank you. There's some hands across the room. I think there's an incredible thing that happens when we all clap together on a Sunday morning. But clapping by yourself isn't that fun, is it? <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray together. I think it's cool when we all pray together too. Praying by yourself is cool, but praying in a big group like this, I think something really incredible happens. So can we all repeat after me? Say, God... I give you my life. I give it all to you. My past, my future, and my current living, I put into your hands. I step into this community. I step into relationship with you. I step into a future that is brighter than my past. I give you my all. I give you my heart. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.